0: What do you think of the? Have you heard of the Ripperverse? Yeah. Are you talking about this recent comic? That, yes. Yes. Yeah, it's, no. it's not it's, it's not out. It's not out yet. It's not out Man, yet. The one that got like two million in crowdfunding. Three million now. That's thanks to Fox News. But yeah. No. What? Well, well, no. Before that was
1: on Fox News.
0: Yeah, because before it was on Fox News, they said they had two million. They did already. They yeah. already had. Okay. Yeah.
1: And okay, so. So he's a musician and whatnot, and he's a talking head and a comic book, comic book head, and all this other kind of stuff. And so, you know, I would would watch his videos and some of the stuff I agree with with, and some of the stuff I don't. Um, And so in my older age, I kind of just let people just talk and just kind of watch. And and I know going in that people are not going to say everything that I agree with. So my feelings are not hurt. It's just like, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. He believes kids should be homeschooled. I agree with that. He thinks that some stuff I think is questionable is okay. I don't agree with that, but whatever. He might be like, um, he believes in black family. He has a black wife. Okay, that's interesting.
0: I think we're Uh, talking about two different comics. My bad. I think we're talking about two different things.
1: No, if you talk about on, if he was on Fox recently, that's we're talking about the same person.
0: When in, in, in his, the person, the artist he has, he's a black dude, but the artist he has is Hispanic. Yes, we're talking about the same person. Anymore. Yeah, when his you name's... said he had a black family, I'm shocked. I was using exactly, my... <laughs> exactly.
1: That's why I stay open because you just don't know. But I'm saying it's a lot of contradictory stuff. Like I said, he has a yeah. black wife. Okay, it goes by Ripper Five Nine he's very interesting and like i said some stuff i agree with what he's saying and some stuff i totally don't agree with. so it, it just depends on what he's talking about but i always thought it was interesting because i first got on him because of his comic book reviews and talking about you know comic book movies and stuff and some of the stuff i was agreeing with and he was just like you know what they're putting the characters through all this change of stuff and they just kind of you know some of the same arguments i kind of have about comic book characters and what they're doing and stuff just kind of being all over the place and not consistent and you know we kind of talked about it before about swapping out uh heroes we know and replacing yeah. them with new heroes and stuff like that and the pros and cons to that and all that and so he talks about that kind of stuff too and i remember on one time he was talking about something i think it was superman or the superman's son who's a new superman and they made him decide to make him gay and he was like i think it was either that or something else he's like you know what i'm just done with these comics and i'm just going to start my own comic book and so I thought since he just talks a lot of mess and stuff like that, it was just like an idle threat. And like, what do you yeah. even know? Cause you like comic books. That's one thing, but that don't mean you're a comic book writer. That doesn't mean that you, you know, it's a lot of people have a critics about movies, but never made one and, and don't understand how it goes. So it was easy to be on the bench talking, but not necessarily know exactly what, what it takes to do one. So he said that, and then he was like saying, he's going to work on it. And then, you know, a year and a half, almost two years later, he has a done product pretty much that's waiting to be released. And he's doing this crowdfunding thing, even though the books are already done. And, you know, it's over 3 million as far as sales and stuff. Yeah,
0: I'm on his website now 3.3 3 million. Yes. Uh, yes. And like I say, is...
1: he had over two before he was even on Fox because I, I remember when he even yeah. started talking about it, which I thought was very interesting. Um, And the truth is, as much support as he's gotten, nobody's read that book. We, Nobody know what the story's gonna be. We see what the characters are It's not are about like. the book either. We see the, and no, yeah. it's not, it's not yeah. at all. And so the juxtaposition to that compared to all the stuff that Milestone had to go through to somebody doing his own thing with his, you know, artist, and he's a writer and sold over 3 million in books and products and stuff already, sight unseen. All the thing people seen is the covers nobody don't know the story or anything like that you know who knows that book might suck nobody knows but it's already invested in and paid for
0: let me tell you something everybody's first book sucks
1: no no i mean i mean like no
0: but no no i get what you're saying but what i'm saying is those people who paid for it they're gonna get a sucky book
1: (laughs) yeah that's fair that's fair yeah (laughs) um but but i I say i say it in a way as in like um people don't know what to expect so it might be something yeah. that counters even your morals you do not know i guess is yeah. what i'm saying because at least with certain that's the things, funny part
0: about it yes yeah.
1: because certain things you kind of know like okay you don't know what the the first batman is going to be or whatever first nobody knows what something's going to be until it comes out but then also it's a difference in you know paying 75 cents or 25 cents for the first one or three dollars or four hours for the first one to come out versus 40 almost 40 bucks or 20 20 to 40 dollars a book coming out the back you know untested and so it's going to be interesting to see what that book is going to be it could look kind of interesting and kind of funny because what's happening for his situation is not common and even though it would probably be used to say like hey somebody could start a black comic book company just make your book and you know put it crowdfunding and and then you'll make three million dollars that's not that's not normal And, and and like i said it's not even vetted really uh but that's the situation so it was just interesting for me to see this documentary and a reminder of the struggle and how hard it was and how it's still to this point barely kind of coming back and all the mess that we went through and to see this black dude out of Texas, three million strong in sales on a book that hasn't even came out yet.
0: (laughs) Well, and and, and the cost of it was assimilation. And I think that was the thing that like, what led to the demise of Milestone Mm -hmm. is the total opposite of this, this guy's willing to I use the word assimilate just because he makes it seem like he's not going to assimilate to, and I hate that they use, they co-opted this word, uh, but he says he's not going to assimilate to woke media standards. Yes. Um, a- any uh, Caucasian listeners of that mindset that might be listening to this right now do understand that the word woke does not mean that you have been misled to believe that it, it is. Uh, but that's not this discussion. <laughs> um, I think that when people are misled, uh, it's easy to capitalize. And I think when he said I'm making an anti-woke comic, he tapped into a market that was already thriving. And this is something I discovered in my research: the Comics Gate community mm-hmm. uh, had really began attacking what they call the mainstream liberal comic community. About five years ago, real heavy. Yes. On to the point where we're talking physical attacks at uh, comic book conventions. People walking up to writers, and uh, there's a writer here, Kelly Sue uh, DeConnick, who got death threats, physical, like and physical threats of physical harm. They were like, "If you come to the con, we're going to do these things to you." Um, there are people who. uh this is this carryover this is the boy this has been a boiling point since the 2016 election since and i think part of it does stem from the 2008 and 2012 election results of course a group of people saying who are scared of replacement and they they believe replacement theory to be a real thing and so there's a lot of really racist comic book writers i'll just say it fly white comic book writers who've been using crowdfunding over the last six years, uh, real heavy and have had large success creating their books with their imagery and those things in it. So when a black person comes in, I agree with everything you are saying, they now get a chance to buy this book from a black person and say, see, I'm not racist. It's like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I got a black friend. It's never been about race. It's always been about American values. And it's like, well, if American values is the cornerstone of American values is racism, you know, you've got racism there and they don't believe in systematic racism. So it's like, none of this is real to them. They, I, I think this guy has $3.3 million in sales, not based off of the merit of his work. Cause like you said, none of us can see it. Yeah. We don't know what it is. No one, everyone who puts out a number one, think about Trill League. Trill League looked good. They gave us a sample of it. It didn't do three million. Right. It truly came back for a second comic recently after getting a lot of notoriety. Fifty cent and optioned it for for you know for production. Right. All this stuff happened, and now they're back crowdfunding. And they didn't raise three million. Right. But here's the thing: I always tell you that, that tells us that this brother didn't know what what he. This is how we know it's not a three million dollar comic book. His campaign goal was a hundred thousand. That is an audacious campaign goal. David F. Walker just won two Eisners this year. Two of the top prizes for top comic book writer in the in the country. One won a couple of years ago. He just recently did a campaign and he set it at the cost where he gets a profit and the cost of whatever. And he set it at a price where his fans can buy it. And it's set reasonable. I don't think I've ever seen any of his campaigns really exceed A a stretch goal of twenty five thousand, and he's a really he's a top crowdfunded getter, and a top notch writer in the space. Mm -hmm. This is a rookie writer, and I think he's promised that he's going to lace his comic book full of dog whistles and white nationalist propaganda. But he's going to put a black face on it. He's going to lend his blackness. To an anti black movement, and people are going to, and that's what people are buying. They're buying his skin, they're buying the color of these these characters. Because you saw Icon was conservative. Yeah. But Icon wasn't conservative based and didn't stay in that same space. He grew. These characters are only gonna dig in deeper. And what I fear is that, one, number two issue is going to be worth it's not going to win three million mm-hmm. but number two issue if it's not if this isn't picked up by a major because people will sell out real quick they claim I'm just going to do this independently let yeah. Dark Horse say that they won't want this character he'll right. go mm-hmm. but uh yo I it let me tell you something somebody handed it to me yeah I would keep it Yeah. um I am very, it, it says the book is going to get put out starting next month. Let me tell you something, man. There's been a paper shortage that has affected the comic book industry. This brother's now a millionaire overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, I am very curious how he's going to be able to handle the success. Will there ever be a follow-up? Me personally, I take the loot and run. I mean, I give him their book, but you never hear from this character again
1: yeah it's it's interesting because i think it's like uh i think it's like i think it's like 94 pages or something so it's a whole it's not just one it's a
0: graphic novel
1: yeah it's like a whole yeah. arc of a story or whatnot so yeah. I, I look to confirm say he's a libertarian
0: yeah okay that makes sense because that's once again you remember how tea party hit be mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. you know it's, it's people's way of saying i ain't gonna really leave the grand old party i'm gonna be adjacent to it because i'm just mad at a few things they're doing but it's yeah. still the same four values yeah
1: and it's funny because you work at a, a libertarian bookstore well that's why i got to know about Ayn rand and all that kind of stuff and yes i worked at a bookstore who sold a lot of that propaganda and stuff like that so it's very interesting that that yeah. whole um
0: i worked in those spaces too man yeah it's just i very, know what it's like yeah
1: it's, it's a it's a it's a lifestyle i guess <laughs> but um with this being said with with what you were saying before in our other conversation where you had mentioned how we could have the same kind of feelings about certain kind of things but you've made a point to be like not to be mistaken with the comics gate folks which i thought was funny that and interesting that you said that but I, i understand how certain things could sound similar but the reasons behind is different intent can make a difference on things uh, and some stuff could line up, but line up for different reasons.
0: I am very careful about what I say to who I say it to. Yeah. Because I think at the end of the day, we all have a moral compass. Yeah. And unfortunately, some of our core values and our moral compass comes from some of the same spaces. They come sure. from colonized religion. But, you know, like, you, know, you get older, you have a daughter and you like all of a sudden the purity conversation totally different you're like okay yeah i, I i'm not mad at the purity movement, although it had been a product of the purity movement like that crap was horrible on us like they <laughs> like they didn't educate us on sex at all they Darn. don't have it and it's like there was there's a sweet in between we never found that's true and <laughs> as a parent as a parent you're hoping to find it yeah exactly but you're all to find it but it's like Uh, I think, (laughs) how can I remove the core values of manhood, being like a provider and protector, but then remove the patriarchy? Like, I can be a provider and protector, but I don't have to have toxic patriarchy that says that I can only be the one that provides and protects, and you have to submit to me in this particular way. It's a different way of reading a scripture, reading of you know the scrolls or anything that you, and say, okay, how do I still honor the women in this space and not repeat because a colonized religion, and I say that because I, in my studies, it's more than Christianity yeah. that uh, that had been taken over by other spaces and changed in affording to what would get people in power to adapt that particular religion so christianity as we know it is filtered through the lens of how do we get you know some people they might be like how do we get king james to love this you know where the whole time ethiopia is the second nation to accept christianity as its own and then you take a look at ethiopia with its own scrolls its own you know like the you know legend like it it tells its own story, but it's not honored because it's not coming from a Eurocentric point of view.
2: Yeah,
0: And it's like, well, why were they one of the only nations never to be colonized? And you know, so you start putting these things together. I know this conversation no, no. You know, is, but you start putting these things together and you start thinking like, yo, the journey to truth is deep. Yeah, And if you don't want to go deep, and I'm not really targeting this brother, like in a negative way, like more power to him because one, one thing that I would love, absolutely freaking love, mm-hmm. is if those people open up those pages yeah, and it was a Black Lives Matter sign, he's like, gotcha, mother. You know, like, that would be, oh, that would just be mind-blowing, right? Right, right. But um, I understand what it's like to assimilate for a living. You know what I mean? Like, when you have to be in spaces because you just your context everything makes your soul itch you go home (laughs) telling your old lady like let me tell you what this dude said today you know like but you know like i said it makes your soul itch uh and this is what i know milestone was probably going through when they had to move into the dc office yeah you know like you guys are too loud you know like (laughs) All the, the way that they work, the way they do things, the way we do things is different than the way they do things. Right. This is why we have to say our black is excellent. Um, because if we don't say that and we don't pump ourselves up because people fear what they don't understand, right. when they see us working in a way they don't understand and getting results that they can't understand, right. they're going to throw some sort of shade. They're going to throw their fear on it. Right. and uh, the, the, it's important this is why it's important for a milestone book to succeed I may not be as in love with the new milestone book succeeding right Okay, little, because yeah. I get a feeling that it's just a DC property where before I felt like somehow my dollars even though I, I'm doing it in rerun mm-hmm. I'm getting them for 50 cent or whatever but if I, I could imagine back then I felt like my money was going to these black, in these black people's pocket. right uh, you know I understand DC got their hand in it but I also feel, it's so like when you buy music from sure. independent artists you feel like oh I'm making sure this person still, yeah, I'm buying this Cree Summers album because I, I want her to have enough sales to put another one out because I believe in Cree. Exactly. Um,
1: you go to their concert yeah. and they're at the booth and they you know give you the CD you give them the 10 bucks and they put it in their
0: actual pocket pocket yeah out at the comic cons it's like that bro yeah. Like, and this is one of the reasons I tell every comic book creator every young comic book creator or you know when I say young I'm talking about young in the industry
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, this is why it's important for you to show up at the cons, and don't be ashamed of your drawings your work you may not have a polished portfolio but bring people and be like you know and show because some of your favorite people and I say this about you know this is the part of why I'm doing this documentary about David F. Walker Highly accomplished and highly available. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> this man won two Eisner's, but whoever wanted to walk up to him and ask him advice the next day got him. We were just sitting up there, and anybody who recognized who he was had access. We were sitting there talking. It was Dennis Collins just sitting there, just talking to people. Yeah. He came over and just talked to us. I stepped back and took a picture of it because I was like, This is crazy that this man is like still just like, oh, man, how y'all doing? And he knows everybody's work at the table. You know, I'm the filmmaker, so no one knows my work. So I'm always just kind of like, all right, I'm just there to be a fly on the wall, literally, because that's part of the job. But comic book artists and comic book writers are still not in a celebrity stratosphere. I say you got to take advantage of getting mentorship. And these people are so much more accessible to you. Several people from that Milestone documentary, I've had lunch with with hanging out with David at the cons and other things. These are brothers I haven't talked to and I didn't even know they worked at Milestone. There's a guy, his hair's kind of wild shorter guy. I didn't talk to that man so many times I had no clue he was old school. Me either. That's why I had to look up his name. I'm like, oh, he was part of Milestone.
1: That's why why I thought that was cool about the documentary because I saw a lot of this this stuff before but his perspective and his words and how he finished the last book without getting paid. That was so cool. I I
0: was glad to be able to hear that. And I didn't. I never knew who he was. Like, one time I was just sitting at David's booth, and I was like, "Yo, he he gone? He went somewhere like to a panel or something." And he just sat there and just talked to me for a minute. And these are people who like they've done the work. I think part of the humbling nature of being a comic book creator. What I've learned is they don't get paid anything. So it's easy to stay humble when you got the number one selling book in the country, but you got paid fifty dollars a page for that book two years ago you know some book you could be winning an award on or a book that gets a television show option you know for it or whatever and you didn't get paid anything or hardly anything for it and so that is the upside so I that's the real reason why people start going to Kickstarter and Zoop and uh, Indiegogo and uh, what's the other one that's big in comics Uh, it's specific to comics I can't think of the name of it but there's, you know, they go to these different sources and get funding, and they and they go the independent route because they're going to get it out to their core audience, the only yeah. people that was going to buy it anyway. Right. And comic book stores, retailers, and I've interviewed multiple retailers. Mm-hmm. They cannot afford to take Justice League off the shelf right. to put Black Man on the shelf. Right. You know, whatever the name of your independent mm-hmm. comic is this cat here this what's the name of the isom number one or whatever which is too close to icon to me but uh but sure it's original bro uh it's this (laughs) um this whole comic book (laughs) that three million is cool but there's not a place in their right mind there's not a place in this there's a bunch of retailers who probably purchased it there's a lot of good old boys in the comic book that that run comic book shops. Mm -hmm. Cause I think I stared out viciously going into some comic book shops, both Portland and in my travels when I go find one. And I short of what you are doing in here, boy, you know, like is the bot. And so, uh, and I've made a ton of comic book shop owners very uncomfortable by asking for black titles. Mm. Um, when I asked for Bitter Root, which is now one, two Eisners. I have my favorite comic book store. It's the number one selling comic book store. The largest comic book retailer in the Pacific Northwest. So this comic book store is biggest in Idaho, Washington, Alaska, Oregon, and most of Northern California.
2: Hmm.
0: Bitterroot's Bitter not on the shelf. Hmm. Now my guy's not a racist in that particular way. He's a good but bitter root's not gonna sell amongst his demographic. Right. White men aren't walking in buying bitter root. Right. Well what you'll do is if you go on YouTube, there are white men specifically and a few brothers who are saying, oh, well, the Eisners are a joke. roots should have never won.
2: Mm.
0: And I think it's interesting to see how something can get coded with a name and then they just give it another name. Don't be surprised if this brother's ripperverse hats become the new Punisher symbol, salt life, uh, whatever flag matters. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's gonna be the new. This is my dog whistle to let you know I'm 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 here for it. And I'm like, bro, do I need to I, I need to get back in the gym. I need to get to the gun range. Cause I'll be feeling like they training for something. <laughs> because they got all these hats and, and they're they riding around. and I don't know if this is, is happening in Oakland because Oakland's black-ish. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you for fixing that.
0: Yeah, but like I'm in the Pacific Northwest and bro, people are riding around in big trucks with Confederate flags. Oh no, not out here. What, what does the Confederate flag have to do with the North? It don't get no, no Northern than north up here. And it's a bunch of Amer- people are riding around with American flags on the back of their uh, and Trump 2024 flags on the back of their uh, trucks. I saw one dude who had like a 96 Ford Taurus with a flag in the back of it. I'm like, bro, you, you really stretching it. But this is Trump country outside of the inner city. So in Oakland, are they doing that? <laughs> they, are they flying flags in <laughs> Oakland? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, they still got Black Lives Matter signs in people's windows of their homes and stuff. So
0: they got those here, but no, yeah. no American flags in the back of cars.
1: No, nothing, nothing is
0: obvious. Yeah. At least you know. So, yeah. But that's who's buying the Ripperverse. Like that's who's buying this, yeah. Stuff.
1: yeah. but it goes to show too when you buy something signed and scene, you go in with the idea of the person that you know of because you can't yeah. be into the product that you have no idea what it is. Yeah, this so is, yeah. so it has to be the mentality of the person that you're you're backing, um, or the hype of, of what it could possibly be, or whatever. Or and that's the thing about knowing something, it could be anything you need it to be. The truth is when it hits the, when the rubber hits the road, and then that's when everybody could, you know, have their feelings about it. Of yeah, this is what I thought it was going to be, or no, it wasn't. Nothing what I thought it was going to be. He is saying that it's supposed to not have any agendas, and it's supposed to be go back to the old way of. But Uh-oh. comics
0: always had agendas. So, yeah. like, if you don't know, like, just for the kid that might be listening, the comic book industry survived solely based off of Marvel being what and they weren't Marvel then, but they it was all wartime propaganda. Yeah. The reason why there was a speculators market that later crashed the industry after 10 years was because the early 80s comic books began to be valuable from the from the war era because at the back of the war era comic books they said please turn this comic in and save your money to buy war, war bonds. bonds Yeah, and so that whole factor was why comic books were so from the beginning of comic books whether it's the alleged story that Superman is code for Jesus and it, you know even though Superman was made by two Jewish guys right. but it was like their interpretation of a super and even they even said like the s mm-hmm. is this hebrew and he like it was just this whole explanation for it but there's always been a hidden message behind so he's going back to uh, a hidden message
1: so what he's saying the agenda i'm you know as you stated when you're reading off this thing about the you know it's not going to be a woke agenda put it like this i understand like i don't know what the actual product is going to be because nobody knows what it is but people have an understanding. I believe that that's almost kind of like saying when a parent might say, "Hey, you know, they'll make music like it like it was when I grew up." Now, it could be a certain agenda or a certain way it was, but you know what that means to that music. You mm-hmm. know what that you know what that means. And that could be good, bad, or indifferent, but it could be what you, the prime of music and the way you like it. Like people might think the new Jack swing sound is, is dated. I find home in that. And so if somebody's talking about, Teddy probably talking about I'm bringing it back. Now people be like, oh, oh, I don't want no bringing it back stuff. But to me, I'll be thinking like, okay, let's chill my prerogative. So I'm thinking like, I, I know what that means. And now it could be a threat to somebody new, right. but it could be like, oh, I'm going back home for me. I know what that means. That's shorthand, taking it back. Oh taking it back to, to to how it used to be now taking it back from my mom would be different than it was and i like what my mom liked because i grew up on that so i have a taste for it just like my you know kids that you know that's 15 she knows 90s music better than she does current music she knows current music because of TikTok, but she knows all the rest of that stuff Babyface and key sweat and all the rest of that stuff because of me and so and i'll be sure and all that kind of stuff so him taking it back could mean something different just like when Donald Trump was taking it back talking about taking it back
0: <laughs> yeah you can't make America great it, it, again. it
1: just depends on what you could what your idea of taking it back means yeah. And so if he's talking about a contrast to what the, the way the comic books are now then I know what he's talking about and depending on where you like your comic books to be like some people in the 90s like the big splash pages. he was a whole bunch of splash pages and a lot of that was due because you had new artists that didn't know how to tell stories well but they knew how to draw posters so like like Rob Lightfield he will have a whole bunch of big splash pages or scenes cropped a certain kind of way because he couldn't draw ankles and feet so stuff was kind of compromised because you had new people who had a bigger expression in a certain kind of way but it wasn't it wasn't the Marvel way you know yeah. they, he couldn't just do panel for panel for panel because he didn't have the skill set for it but, you know, he's the one that had that first Levi Jeans commercial and took comic books to another level. The worst artist, comic book artist that they had did the biggest impact and boom yeah. of comic books. That kid that couldn't draw ankles and proportions all wrong changed the world with that Levi's Jeans commercial and his comic book that he came out with. Yeah. Even bigger than McFarlane, even bigger than Jim Lee and all the rest of them, he, Rob Liefeld, you know, um, so depending on yeah. what you grew up on and what you like, it can mean yeah. a different thing.
0: I think one thing about it is if he's going to take it back to what it used to be then I mean by episode, by issue 10, Isom's going to be white um, because it was
2: because
0: <laughs> it wasn't no black characters back then, unless you want to take it to Shazam are we going to forget about Shazam's little uh, black sidekick? That would always be shocking and surprising like, yes sir you know, like, so in and Bug-Eyed and, and taking it back can mean so many, like, so yeah, taking a, it back, it goes back yeah. to that conversation. Taking it back has is so not nuanced, like so many layers yes. to this, because yeah. taking it back means that you're going to basically be a white character with black skin, because there is no value for taking it back, because once you introduce the non-monolithic black man cuz all black people are are this way like we all have layers to us and flavor. Yeah. And so Superman is a very one-dimensional character. He doesn't move off of his story arc very well. Right. Luke Cage on the other hand has to bounce back from being borderline criminal to empathetic hero to just flat-out superhero. He has to be all these things because when you see black skin, all these things are expected of it because blacks have to and have always had to since slavery had to be all of these things in order for survival. Although I take it back before slavery, I believe our original context was we were just a lot within our villages and our tribes. I believe that we always held the capacity to do a lot of different things and we've always been nuanced creatures. Like we've been very diverse and well-developed humans yeah. um, based off of, you know, being uh, on original land of, of, of original man. You know, like being in this space. And I'm not talking 5% or talk. Yeah. I'm talking about just the space of just being on the, on the now valley and just knowing and being able to grow in a, in, a, in an environment. Right. Um, and knowing it well, I believe that we are very eclectic people. I think that's the word I've been looking for. Yeah. Where, and I'm not saying that white people aren't. No, no. But it's it's very much our nature to present that way, and it's our culture. Our culture is eclectic,
1: and struggle also brings that out of you because because yes. if you don't have struggle, then you don't have no reason to think outside the box or to be creative, to fix things, to make wrong right. So, you know. So lifestyle and culture and struggle definitely, it gives you different muscles.
0: How about that? Yeah, I think it's just like even the nature of like, when you get too black, it's like going to the barbershop. When black (laughs) men gather and we're not in the field, we got something to say. I have a reputation as a quiet person. I don't wanna talk to people that I have to explain my culture to, my vernacular to, I don't want to have to look in your eyes with amazement when I say something that's semi-intelligent. And I don't want to see fear in your eyes if I'm saying something that's potentially wrong. Like, there's this concept that I exist in a space of white America. My existence is Andrew Morgan and mainstream, or as they call it, majority culture, is I am damn near a superhero and I am perfect. It is, And I'm not saying that in a facetious way. What I'm saying is I am so careful and calculated. And I only speak when necessary. And all these this is what we have to carry. So when you get black men together and talking and women, when you get people together, it creates its own culture. And it creates something big, which goes to the point of like the potential of what milestone could have been. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, okay, Reginald Hutland's on board. They're grabbing all these new these new artists. Can they cultivate that? is the thing that will make me continue. See, this first run I'm supporting it because I support everything black, right? Oh, yeah. If I see something black, and you know this about me, because if I see something black, I'm buying it. Mm-hmm. I saw your shirts and I was like buying it is black. You know, mm-hmm. so what I do is when I get a paycheck from or you know, because I'm a gig worker to some extent. So when I get paid from a job, 10% of that's going to well I got 10% that I paid God. And then I have eight to ten percent or whatever it's going to always go to pouring back into a black business. Then I'm going to put my, my money back for my business. And then the 30% is usually my profit or whatever. I have her pants out. The point is, I buy black intentionally to support other entrepreneurs the way I've been supported.
2: Right.
0: I'm not saying that in a bragging way. I'm saying that in a way of practicing, if you're hearing me, you know what I'm saying? Because it makes a more fulfilled life. I would have met you if I was taking my money and hoarding, you know, i putting it in. When you put black creatives together and you get black people supporting each other and loving each other. Right. You never know what's gonna be, you know, what we're gonna create. And when you talk about like that milestone Bible, this whole Dakota verse.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, I hate with Black Lightning and there was a few other things when they talked about the verse, and that was the last second to last season of Black Lightning.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's like this isolated right. city over here and it's all black and something and it's cops coming to shoot. And it's like, so like, oh, they're relevant. And they're woke because they put cops coming in and shoot up the place. And, you know, it's like, you know, honestly, in our neighborhood, cops aren't the bad guys. The drug dealers actually are. (laughs) You know, people get, remember Pac said this. Pac was like, I don't want to live next door to the killer. (laughs) Right. But I do. But they think we celebrate that.
1: But the sad part is, is that there were black people writing that, you know, growing up there was no worse place to be but gotham right yeah and they forgot a place worse than gotham right
2: yeah. somehow
0: (laughs) how do you find a place worse than gotham well so this back to the documentary (laughs) one of the things that i've realized that i i I never heard it verbalized by someone else that the big bang was a big gang bang yeah and it's just like yo hearing that come out your mouth i was like because you read it and you internalize it as family business right but then hearing him say it out loud, it was like, yo, don't say it was a big gang bang. You know, like, and then they're like proud of the fact that like, well, we changed it to a, a Black Lives Matter. Because I was reading a new static and I was like, oh, he was at a rally. Okay. I mean, that works. <laughs> but it is modernizing a problematic trope. And because Mouse and here's one of the things I can say to the credit of uh, Bendis. You know, who's a Portlander, who uh, tries his best to be to snow African American culture. I believe, and I don't want to tell a man's personal business, but I think he's a known thing that like he has an African American child. Yeah, Um, and
1: that kind of inspired Miles and Naomi, Naomi, and yeah, yeah.
0: And so he's not shy about that factor, and I've seen his child. And um, I think when you think about creating a story like. You know, Mouse, like Miles' is uh, like I was looking at. Uh, they keep his uncle, Aaron, at, as we were talking about this earlier, at a, an influence on him where the dad can't be an influence. Right. I love that that character gets it, in, gets his powers in the most superhero way. There is this new line. It's a limited line that they did. The what if Miles Morales? I loved it because it was dope. And it's not. I didn't like. Issue four, we can talk about. <laughs> but <laughs> about to say <laughs> the general concept of they were like Aaron, his uncle had the super serum. How he got the the powers for Iron Man. I mean for uh, Captain America. Mm-hmm. And the what if was like his uncle was gonna you know like put the super serum in the ice box, and Miles coming over being messy <laughs> consumes it. Like yeah, that's kind of like it's it's on par with that relationship episode issue four. If a black person wrote issue for, no one would have had a problem. And these are these are these conversations that we talked about where we gotta hide it from the Ripperverse people. Right. Right. If a black person wrote issue for, this was a person of color who wrote it. Mm-hmm. But if a black person wrote it, no problem. You can't say anything. Horrible writing can be dismissed when an African American writes. You. Um <laughs> right. Once again, comics get up get a hold of me saying this. they would be like, mm, you know, but hear me in full context. Thor, to me, <laughs> and I haven't, I haven't hanging up in here, uh, over here, which was one of my I'm chasing it down issues. There's this issue from the 80s where Thor goes to the hood mm-hmm. and it's like trouble in the inner city and the police are like beating on people and Thor is like, what did you Basically blackies do he didn't say that, but right, he's right. like and this black man's like, Why are you automatically assume it's us? Why come you didn't check them? Right. And Thor sits with it. And this was writing of the eighties, where you know, and you could tell someone probably went to dinner with Christopher Priest one day. Right. And then <laughs> Wenton was like, I've yeah. got a I feel challenged.
2: Right, right. And
0: and he's not necessarily the most liberal right. human. He's very conservative in a lot of ways, too. But that's part of his religious background. Mm -hmm. So I look at that issue and I was just like, he's really following suit of what Thor would be. Like Thor, if Thor, if they put a black face on Thor, because that's what What If is doing. Mm -hmm. It's just like switching out characters. In this case, I think if you did anyone else, it's always going to be a caricature because Thor is not that deep of a character. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't offended by it. I had the issue. And then all of a sudden, I'm seeing people say, this is the worst. Look at the graffiti written in the bowels. I "I, I thought the graffiti was dope, but okay, Like, Mm -hmm. I thought it was a nice touch. But I get what they're saying. They're coming from the angle of, oh, because it's Miles, there's the graffiti. And he's saying, well, guess what? I read Miles Morales, and it's all tropey writing. I don't know an issue where I can be like, oh, that was well written by a black person. Good job like all of his books are written like i've always attributed to him. i'm just old man i'm out of touch and maybe kids talk like that mouse is a corny character like he's i like that he exists mouse is corny like and but i'm an adult i'm a grown man Mm -hmm. i shouldn't probably gravitate toward mouse um not that you can't you know because it's not that i I can't but you know yeah
1: I do too. I, I gravitate to, to Miles, but I, I like the interpretation of the animated movie more so than the comics. I oh think it's very God. streamlined in a way. It's like, oh, okay. But that goes to show you what somebody's interpretation could do from something. Like, they may yeah. not be the person who created it, but have a perspective that's kind of more in line with what's probably better center, maybe? But yeah, so yeah, people did trip off that, that uh, what if Miles was Thor
0: situation. Yeah it was a well written series though like it was an interest not well written i have the i have all all five stories mm-hmm. the captain it was all just like i said a person who had i used to have mouths come in my box and then my son was like i'm not reading mouths anymore i was like okay well i can stop paying for it once he said he wasn't paying for it i was like okay good because i would like let five issues pile up He'd be like oh i gotta catch them on his mouse. and then i'll be sleep like I was, you know, like when you was younger and you try to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm like, man, Miles would put me to sleep because I just didn't identify. It didn't grab me. Right. Um, honestly, independent comics are the only thing that grabs me now. It's a kink book. And I did not know it was a kink book before I got into it. <laughs> it's called Alice in Leatherland. I know the name is Alice in Leatherland. And I should have known it was a kink book ahead of time. But it has a queer character. That reminds me a lot of my daughter. So, the character is like my daughter's age, kind of looks like my daughter. And the main character also looks like my friend Nicole that I mentioned. And so, I was like, yo, this I can identify with when I know women who are like this character. She moves to San Francisco and she's just trying to figure out herself. It was a good storyline. There was another storyline called Eve, the little black girl who's post apocalyptic world, and she's the one who's going to save the world. I think I heard that one. Okay. Great storyline. Um, I like these limited series. Uh, this one years ago came out, LaGuardia. Dope series. I struggled with Batman though, the uh, I Am Batman. Mm-hmm. I've got all the... I got them. Jace doesn't click with me like he's not Batman. Um, And I know they frame it as he's not Batman necessarily. But still, but they, they riding with that though. That's the reason
1: why they're making him Batman.
0: Yeah, and it's <laughs> like and for me, Everyone was up in arms where they was like, oh, Batman's black now, they've got a black Superman, they got a gay Superman. But the mainstream Superman still exists. In other universes, or 40 years ahead of time in the same universe, they're never tying it in. When you go to the store, you're beating up on minority, rich, white, privileged Batman is still doing his thing. Batman fans hate when I say that about him. regular mainstream batman is still there in all of his privilege and glory this other batman is a as an attempt to draw african-american readers into the batman story arc using the fox family and uh it's all right you know it's it's nothing to write home about same thing with the black panther story books uh ta-nehisi coates he did an okay job if you if you're a well-read person, yeah. I bet you like it. If you're like me, who dreaded the teacher calling on you to read out loud, uh, <laughs> Coates ain't a good read for you. You know, that's just me being real. Yeah. I ain't good reading out loud, so I don't read Coates, <laughs> you know, but right, right. it's not, you know, but I love Reginald Hudlin's writing. Um, I love Air Jerome Dickey's writing. Um, there's some authors who just write in a Low and a rhythm that's so contextual to your soul. I love David. He's, I'm making a whole film about him. Yeah. I read the majority of his work, but there's some of his work I don't really read. Better Root. Number one book, multiple, you know, it keeps getting voted number one book, you know, but he's also a co-author, too. I don't read all of Naomi because I'm not, I, I think at some point it, it's separating us like this is for little girls, kind of like them show, especially. But yeah, I, I guess the wrap of what I'm saying is like, to each his own, I am glad about this one thing to say something positive about the Ripperverse. There's a target audience for it. I may be on the other side of that audience's politics. I believe that that audience has a very anti-black agenda. Um, and I understand they may be confused by hearing that comment, but I believe that it's easy to make one person a millionaire uh, opposed to, you know, because it's not equity. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're basically elevating this one person. But you're not making sure all of us get a chance to get on. And I think as long as he delivers what they want, I think he'll have success in the future. As an independent comic person, I think he'll be able to sell a million the next time and then the next time a few hundred thousand. And I think he'll be able to to create a legacy. And um, legacies all can be different. You take a look at uh, Stephen Vetchy.
2: Mm.
0: where he did a lot for giving and putting money that no one talks about he put money in the hands of black filmmakers who wanted to make films because he did some what people would describe as despicable things to get that you take a look at his stepson's unfortunate end to his journey where he died after killing multiple people Um, that wasn't the legacy that he wanted so even with money I'm I'm just drawing up that tragedy just to say that even with money and even with all that he was trying to do for his community and all that he sacrificed and it sounds weird to say that's a sacrifice but he sacrificed his integrity and his ability to move within black spaces clearly in order to be able to fund you know an Oscar Micheaux who had already had funded his career pretty well but each filmmaker needs new money each film so at the tail end of an Oscar Michaels career, Stefan Fetcher can say, Here's a few bucks. Hmm. And he encourages a Gordon Parks to go ahead and write that script and, and do more than just what you're doing with the camera, do something with the film camera. Wow. And, you know, what Gordon Parks is giving us. And so, you know, this may be something that I may look at one day and say, like a Stefan Fetcher. you know, like, I may not be <laughs> completely proud of it. Our, our Amos and Andy, who grossly misunderstood, but yet very guilty in, in a lot of different ways, uh, did a show, and put tons of black talented people on television who never been on it. Right. Um, the original meaning of minstrel show, like of what what was going on with those, all these things. There's always a black person who entered. And this is my best hope for you. There's always a black person who enters into and has to assimilate into a particular space in order to create greatness in the future. If this man's success right now means that more people of color can go into the independent comic space and have more success, then that's the best hope I have. Mm. Uh, The worst hope has already been accomplished. He's gonna sell three million books And uh, at least that's one more person who's taken a step closer to having generational wealth for the next generation. If he doesn't, you know, he says he's a family man. So I don't see if this was all him and not really some large organization behind him. That man is a millionaire right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More power to him. You know, like he's doing something positive for his family. Of course, I'm on you and other people who are artists and to create something that counters that, but but no, I get it. Maybe he's opened up a door in the independent category where maybe we'll have more of an invitation into some of these seats. Maybe a company like uh, Kickstarter will be like, "Ooh, we need to start highlighting some of these black folks."
1: That's a brilliant point you made, and I hope for that to be the situation. Like even when something's probably not necessarily great, but light shined on it that does make people think differently, even if it's for a moment to let the other stuff in and then good stuff could come behind the, not the perfect thing that was the, you know, the beacon. Yeah. So I like how you put that. And that's a, that's a great point. Cause um, yeah. it's almost like the Phoenix coming out of the ash. You, you just, you think that first thing that was there was the thing, but it really was everything following behind it. That yeah. was the, really the truth and the unfiltered situation.
0: Yeah. Well, that is where we're leaving it for today.
1: Thanks for listening, and please like and subscribe. Be sure to check out past and future episodes of this show, along with my other shows entitled The Movie Bench Quarterbacking Podcast and The J and Podcast. Available now on all streaming platforms.